welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Evan, this is a big day for you. Yeah, I could, I'm, I'm basically done with sports for the year. <laughs> like, I'm good. That's my, a, my year has been complete. That's such a dumb, muted response. This is the first time a podcast has been solely geared towards Evan. Like, everyone's been anticipating Evan's response. How's Evan going to handle the news today? And he starts with, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. That's, That's Evan. He's done. It's some summer. Nothing. Evan is here. No. Nothing else in sports can add up to today. Basically, for me. Where does this rank? Hockey, like not including hockey or the Red Wings. Where does this rank in the all-time greatest Evan Lobsinger sports moments? It's, <laughs> it's right up there, if not the top. I the 2008 U.S. Open win was already. That in like my sweet. top three, this my top five sporting moments have t- at least two or three Tiger Woods moments now. Now to the 2008 U.S. Open, that was when he was on one leg, right? Yeah, he like blew his ACL or MCL and basically played the final round, or I, I think it was just the final round on one leg. The playoff with Garcia, uh, Rocco Mediate. Oh, okay. That was the next day, but he needed that like massive 15 footer, yeah, to, yeah. to drop, and he did, and that's when he like did the double fist pump and. Yeah, and then 2008. Here, and then here we are, 11 years later. These kids have never seen him win a major. Oh, my God. Yep. Tiger I Wood. never thought of that. Yeah, Tiger Woods wins his first Masters. Kids ruin everything. Title since 2005. Fact. 14 years after his last Masters, 11 years after his last major, when the guy hit rock bottom twice. Not, you know... Not through faults that wasn't his own, and we'll get that out of the way for those of you screaming at your... In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Because the injuries were not his fault. Oh, yeah. But... He was at a certain low where no one thought he'd play again. Oh, And when he started playing, he looked like he shouldn't. <laughs> you know what? Like, whether or not you like Tiger Woods, you have to admit one thing. Golf is better when Tiger is on top. You know, it's hard to tell at the Masters, but when I watched the Tour Championship and everyone was following behind him, that's it. I've never seen anything like yeah. that at a golf tournament. So, I was in a hockey tournament this weekend and in the upstairs part of the arena we were in there's a bar. So, uh when our ours was the last game, um so when we got up there, uh I think Tiger was on hole 16. Now in this bar, it's a hockey bar obviously in a hockey arena. So, they have 20 TVs around, and on 19 of the TVs is the Islanders-Penguins game, and it's 2-1 in the third period. No one's watching. Everybody's at the one TV that's showing the Masters. Maybe that's a hint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At literally the moment Tiger sunk the putt to win it, Leo Komarov scored to make it 3-1 Islanders, and nobody noticed. Nobody reacted. Tiger Woods is the biggest athlete in sports. There's nobody who can glue someone to, go- to a sport that... 99% of people don't enjoy watching quite like he can. If Tiger, now here's a hypothetical for you too, and I'm going to bring this back to hockey. If Tiger, he's currently at 15 majors, he's three away from Jack Nicholas's record of 18. If he breaks that record, gets four more majors before he retires, does he retire from the sport of golf as a player as dominant or more dominant to their sport, like equivalent or greater to great Wayne Gretzky? Tiger isn't... The, a dominant force. He's not the dominant force of the PGA right now. But no, but like when you look up over to two thousand eight, especially when he was like twenty years old, he 
was hitting the ball 40, 50 yards further than the next person. He rewrote golf. He, nobody watched any other groups because he was already up by 10 strokes on Sunday. <laughs> the tournaments were over. He blew everybody out of the water in his prime. Yeah. Pr- prime Tiger. There's Tiger, MJ, and Wayne. I don't think anybody else is even in the conversation at like at their peak. I watched, there was a video or an interview with Colin Montgomery when Tiger played his first Masters. And um, at that point, Colin Montgomery was like the number one rated golfer in the world. Everyone is expecting him to win the Masters. And um, his first rounders, a practice round, he played, Colin played with Tiger. And um, he's like, oh, everyone's talking about Tiger. Everybody's talking about Tiger. So they play this round. And then they interview Colin. He's like, oh, what was it like playing with Tiger? He's like, I may as well go home because he's going to win this weekend. And <laughs> that was his first majors win. And I think he won by like 10 or 15 <laughs> strokes. It, it's absurd how good he is. And the fact that he came back from like spinal fusion. He's had like four back surgeries, four knee surgeries. He was at an all-time low in his personal life. The fact that he can come back and golf is such a mental sport, let alone a physical sport, for him to come back and actually win. And right now on the PGA Tour is when there's a ton of guys who are really, really good and anyone can win. So the fact that he can win today is huge. And it, I, it's like probably one of the craziest things I've ever seen in sports. For those of you wondering the level of analysis that Evan can bring to sports, <laughs> there is your first insight into it four plus years into the Winged Wheel podcast. And today was the first round where we've seen the Tiger effect, where his playing partners melt into absolute garbage. Oh, yeah. They were cheering and, and, when uh, Molinari went into the drink. And which is, it's crazy because Molinari is known for being very consistent and very mistake free for him to. Th- hit one fat on 15 into the water like I would, it was crazy. And hit, and Finau disappeared too. Finau's relatively new though, so that's a little understandable. Tiger's is idle, and yeah. uh, he's basically Tiger got him into golf, so to be playing with him on Masters Sunday, yeah, I'd be shaking in my boots. Now as much as uh, we are enthralled by, by Evan just kind of melting into his passion here we do have to bring it back to the hockey welcome to the welcome to the winged wheel podcast i'm ryan Hanna. i thought we were doing a game of thrones analysis this is, yeah next we're week. getting to that next week no this is the game of thrones hype preview i'm brad crisco i'm i don't know if you guys know who i am but i'm tiger woods <laughs> <laughs> our third most esteemed guest we've ever had on this episode behind ron McLean and uh evan lobsinger when he's been on uh t- on today's docket besides or on I was going to make a golf pun, but it's a lot. It escaped me. We're going to talk about the playoffs, obviously. Well, today's tee box, I think, is what you're yeah, looking for. Yeah, there it is. Uh, the Women's World Championships ended in controversy? Heavy controversy? IIHF controversy? I'm I'm stunned, Ryan. Stunned. Uh, you guys are going to have to talk about the past four days in sports, because I, honest to God, watch none of it. Well, we'll fill you in as we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and we will do our uh, first mock draft of the offseason for the Red Wings. Um, this will be picks 1 through 15, uh, the picks that we know. Since uh, those are set. And we'll be running through yep. those. Quick hits, overtime, and then we are going to escape to go watch episode 1 of Game of Thrones. Yep. The playoffs. Oh, Boy, has this been an eventful first few games. It's going to be fun. We might get Evan's live reaction as he finds out what some of these series are at. All I know is there's been a suspension and Kadri's been up to his normal shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think we can do a whole episode just on last night's game. Oh, God, yeah. 
We're going to start with Tampa Bay, Columbus. Uh, as everyone expected, Columbus is leading 2 nothing. I'm sorry. I just read those words out loud. Columbus is leading the series 2 nothing, including at, what was the final score of the last game? 5-1. 5-1 win. And uh, don't forget, Tampa blew a 3-0 first period lead in game one as well, and Columbus won that game 4-3. Don't let Tiger Woods distract you from the pack- fact that uh, Tampa Bay blew a 3-0 third period lead. That is First period lead. Oh, it wasn't all in the third? No, it wasn't all in the third. Um, Evan, immediate reaction. Yes. <laughs> Sergei Bobrovsky has, obviously has done well. Um Columbus to come back from that first game was just I watched that I was like there's no way oh my god I yeah turned, when they were up three nothing after the first I was like hmm well I was, this is gonna be a quick series for uh, for Tampa and the NHL staggered the game so well there was a game starting at seven seven thirty eight like it was, it was they finally figured out how to do that so I watched the first period of that game because it was the first game. And then by the time Tampa was up three nothing by seven thirty, I'm like, what other game is starting? It was over. And then I got a, in get you got the in game break when it's three two, and I'm like, hmm, keep the corner of my eye on that. And then the in game update came three three, and flip. <laughs> Victor Hedman uh, in game one looked abysmal. That's if I had to pick a game for him that he would want back most in his career would be that game. It just didn't click. It didn't make sense. Well, someone he, ripped off his mask, and it was Jonathan Erickson. Yeah, honestly. Well, he. Hedman hadn't played for what two weeks before that game. He's been battling injury, as we know tonight, because currently, as we speak, Game Three is starting, and Hedman is not playing. So, in a game where they could go down three nothing on the road, he's hurting. Yeah, there is no way around that. And again, as as much of an offensive juggernaut as Tampa is, that team goes as Victor Hedman goes. Yeah, and that's not an indictment onto the team. It's a it's a testament to how good Victor Hedman is. Yeah, when Victor Hedman's on his game, the rest of the team doesn't really need to worry about much defensively when he's on the ice. Now they do. Now they and do. that's even if it's just that slight little mental maybe I shouldn't pinch. Maybe I shouldn't go in that deep. Maybe just that that split second. This is the professional hockey at his best in the playoffs. So that's an, that little bit of a second guess is enough to give Columbus the advantage in situations, and it looks like they're jumping on it. Oh, and they did a phenomenal job of jumping on it. Tampa Bay has played poorly. Nikita Kucherov uh, was frustrated and slammed. I can't remember his name. Marcus Nunavara. Uh, tripped him and then slammed his head into the boards and got a very lenient, in my mind, one-game suspension. That should have been two or more, in my mind. Had that been Alex Kalorn... That would Do you been. think that would have been one game? Yeah, I think maybe the NHL didn't want Tampa out of the playoffs so early. Maybe the 128-point guy who probably, because don't forget, the awards are voted right after the regular season ends. So as they probably already know, Hart Trophy winner to not be suspended for too much of the playoffs. Yeah. Considering so, if they were suspended for two more, if he was suspended for two games, he might not have played again. These seriously. Players. So, Hedman playing terribly, <laughs> uh, Vasilevsky letting all, it looked like Swiss cheese out there, oh, Kucherov making that boneheaded mistake, and there's a lot to be said about Tampa messing up, but credit to Columbus, starting with that comeback, and then just absolutely dominating, when they could have walked away saying, we stole one on the road, the series is still in our favor now, we stole one on the road, credit them for absolutely pummeling Tampa Bay in the next game. Now, the crazy thing is, as a testament to how good Tampa Bay is, Kucherov's out this game and Hedman might be out for all we know the rest of the playoffs. 
You still that comfortable throwing Colum- money on Columbus to finish this series off? I mean... Now, is Tampa Bay the 02 Red Wings or the 03 Red Wings? That's the question. Or the 96-62 win Red Wings. It's there's, uh, We've seen this go every which way. The President's Trophy winners, which... You know, a lot of the times they don't win the cup, although that I don't really pin too much on that because the Stanley Cup playoffs, as we all know, is wide open. Any one of the 16 teams can and have won. Um, the question is how they're going to recover from this. They're not rookies. This isn't a young team being successful for the first time. Tampa Bay is truly the San Jose of the current mini era, if that makes sense. Like The expectation is for them to win and win it all. They have the talent. They have the pedigree for success. It now has to translate into playoff success. This is about the worst possible start for them. In my mind, I feel a lot now the same way I did watching and looking back on the 0-2 Red Wings. Well, I was going to say that you're... (laughs) Um, example was accurate. The 2002 and the 2003 Red Wings, who I think were President's Trophy winners both years. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 03, they were, were close. Si- they were two seed in, in 03. Yeah, in 03, they were close, but they weren't there. Both teams went down 02 at home in the first round of the playoffs. One of those Red Wings teams won the cup. One of them got swept. Mm-hmm. Tampa, yeah, do or die. It's hard. Now's the, now's the time. I would love to say that Tampa, you know, just underperformed. But if Hedman's injured and Kucherov's out for game three and uh, Vasilevsky needs a big rebound, like, oh, that's a lot. That's a lot that has to go their way. They're going to have to dig deep for the next two games. And here's the thing, too, that people are underestimating. So Columbus getting in on the final weekend of the season as the eighth seed obviously makes them look like the weakest link in these. Yeah. Here's the thing. They had a bit of a cold snap right after the trade deadline as the new acquisitions came in and they had to gel with their new teammates, their new lines, and, and they went on a bit of a dip there. I think if you count the regular season, they've lost one out of their last 10 games. Columbus right now is reminding me a lot of the 2012 LA Kings. Thank you. Thank you. I'm the, so happy you brought that up. A team that went into the playoffs as an eighth seed, but was on such a heater going into the playoffs, they really didn't catch anybody off guard. The only difference in my mind right now between those 2012 LA Kings and how people are perceiving the 2019 Columbus Blue Jackets is that the Kings had to go up against the Canucks in that year who weren't viewed as the Goliath no. of the NHL that year, whereas Tampa just tied the all-time's win record. They they were viewed as the unstoppable force. So had Columbus been playing the Canucks, who don't get me wrong, back in the day were a fantastic team, but again, not that not what Tampa's done this not year. Not what Tampa was. I think people would have a way different view on what Columbus is doing right now. It would be more of a, well, yeah, no, we knew they'd give them a series instead of, oh, my God, what is happening to Tampa Bay? Yeah, Columbus came in. They under, like, remember that everyone was surprised when they struggled after the trade deadline. Like, they were underperforming by every metric available, most importantly, points on the standings. And when they got into the playoffs, that was with the reflection of they had lost a lot of games that they maybe shouldn't have based on their talent. Not to say that they deserve to be higher up, but that's just where they landed. So, yeah, if I'm any team other than the Goliath that is Tampa, I feel kind of bad about playing, saying, oh, we were playing the worst team in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Oh, it's Columbus. That kind of sucks. I was expecting a little bit worse. I'm way more positive they would have loved to have played like a Pittsburgh or something. You know, like it's not... uh, Columbus is an incredibly talented team, and we were all kind of shell-shocked when they maybe wouldn't have made it. So 
this isn't too much of a surprise, and all I can think about is those 2012 LA Kings. I think people are just waiting for Columbus to finally click, finally come together yeah. and become this, I don't want to say powerhouse, but the better team than they were looking after the trades. And then oh, absolutely. I think like they were like 7-3 and three in the last 10, so they came into the playoffs in good form. It was just a matter of time before everything kind of clicked together and now's the time to be get hot now the the series that's on everyone's minds boston toronto um which has been an absolute bloodbath uh started off with toronto really kind of dominating boston game one i, I was kind of surprised by how slow and, and unprepared boston looked I, I don't think that boston looked slow and unprepared i think that was toronto doing what toronto needed Playing to how do they could boston has a lot of advantages on toronto as a team but they can't outskill toronto they can't outskate Toronto. Toronto's too young, too fast, too skilled. Mm-hmm. Boston has every intangible on them that you want to come up with, but and they have the better top line. But man, Toronto just went out and Mitch Marner's like, you know what? Nah, I got this. And then and Boston and you're right, Boston, it made Boston look slow. Now that could be both things happened. Toronto played to their peak, Boston was playing, eh. And you Toronto came away with a four one win. Next game, Boston came in and I think had seven shots and a goal by the time Toronto had their first shot. Yeah, Toronto, it was Toronto's turn to look. They didn't, I don't think Toronto looked bad, but they were just constantly playing defense. They constantly had to play defense because Boston was dictating the pace. The game got ugly. Yeah. Um, Toronto got suckered into Boston's game. Oh, yeah. The Marshawn Bo- didn't even have to lick anyone. No, <laughs> Marshawn wasn't even the center of the story, really. It was, uh, it was. Not Mac was it McAvoy? No, Debrusque. Debrusque. That's who it was. Debrusque and Kadri were going at it all night. Kadri took a bad knee on knee hit. Debre- like Debrusque had elbowed. Uh, I can't remember what his name is in the nose. Caused a bloody nose. Muzzin, I think. No, that was someone. Uh, Pasternak came up and oh, hit, got hit it. Yeah, Muzzin. yeah, that's right. It was Pasternak. It was boarding. He jumped a little bit. It wasn't a terrible hit. I I was laughing. I was watching with some of these fans. I was like, yeah, I would say that's a bad hit unless it was Cronwell, in which case I would defend it. But yeah, objectively, that was a bad hit. Um, and then it all culminated in uh, DeBrusque laid a hit on Marlowe, which circumstantially questionable because it was near the stanchion, but technically a clean hit. And then Nazem Kadri uh, made the choice to uh, cross-check DeBrusque in the fucking teeth. Excuse my language, but teeth. Like, it was bad. Why? Why? I just don't understand how you just get There's a shocker. Kadri doing dumb shit. Like, man, why? You're so talented. He scored the only goal for the Leafs. You're, he he was doing his part in getting under their skin. Everyone, I mean, including Leafs fans, but everyone is getting pissed off at Kadri. And then you just go and cross check him in the teeth. His oh, temper, they definitely got under his skin. Oh yeah. the The result of that, he's been offered an in person hearing, which is going to happen on Monday. Which means the NHL can suspend him for six games or more. So that that's what's critical here. He was offered in person, which means the NHL is already at least considering five games. That's already in their mind. Not that they will go that route, but they're opening but, that but avenue. It's you can. It gives you a sense of the ballpark they're in for the suspension. Now you have to understand, Kadri got suspended for three games in last year's playoff series against the Bruins, and this is his fourth or fifth suspension in the last few years. He is. You cannot treat this cross check objectively because he's a repeat offender, and that's going to add games. So if Kadri got three games last year for. Ironically enough, a hit that was almost identical to what Kucherov got suspended one game for. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I do not see how he gets any less than three again. I don't. I don't see that world. 
the stupid thing here is that boss like th- that game was refereed terribly. Whether you're a Boston fan or a Tampa or a Toronto fan, like that game was refereed terribly. I don't agree with putting away the whistles for on like between like between the whistles. I don't agree with not with not making calls. I think the same standard that it should be held in the regular season should hold over the playoffs. I don't agree with let them play if it means knee on knee hits, you know, hits to the head or pretty easy calls that you're going to let go just so the exciting pace of the game stays. Rebuild bad blood. Bad blood's going to build after the whistle regardless. I can understand letting some scrums go without coincidental minors or what have you, but the referees let that game get out of hand. Kadri's responsible for cross-checking someone in the mouth, obviously. Uh, DeBrusque is responsible for elbowing whoever in the face, obviously. The referees are responsible for creating an environment which all of that could happen. And for those of you who are saying, that's rock'em, sock'em hockey, like that's the rough-and-tumble stuff that we love and makes the playoffs. No, the rough-and-tumble stuff still happens. No one should lose teeth suspensions aren't good for the viewers or for the team with the, the player suspended. It's just not, it's not what the playoffs are for. Like if you referee a hockey game, well, concussions are on hold in the playoffs. So, Oh, well, Tory Krug is like, is probably out with a concussion. He, he, that was a, that was a clean hit. Though. It was a clean hit. That was a clean hit. It was a clean hit. And actually, you know, my, my tone suggested that that was a referee's fault. You're right. Yeah. That was an absolutely clean hit, but it's really shitty to see. Oh, um, that was, he was on another planet. I Because his head hit the boards, right? Yeah. yeah. And his helmet popped off. It was just bad. Um, this series has plenty of hard hits, you know, bad blood, tenacity, fierceness, hashtag playoff hockey. Whether you're a new fan or a good old Canadian boy who just loves the way the game is played, <coughs> the series has everything. It does not need the crap that the refs allowed to happen. And this is from someone who wants both teams to lose. <laughs> like, Yeah. This is just not good. It, may, it creates a bunch of garbage. Yeah. My my personal pref- preferred outcome of the series is the Bruins to beat the Leafs, and then as soon as the series ends, Jeremy Jacobs to fold the franchise. Mm-hmm. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. Game 7 quintuple overtime the Bruins accidentally get one on an own goal from uh, Ron Hainsey or better yet something that bounces off Mike Babcock Nazem Kadri yeah first game back and then Boston loses the next series in three games uh, Capitals Hurricanes uh, I'm going to admit I've been rooting for the Hurricanes because A the memes and pissing off Don Cherry uh, and B Peter Mrazek and C they just know how to have fun um, the Caps have looked good they're up 2 nothing. The Caps have looked like the defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. Weird. The Canes, I don't think, have been terrible. I think there have been uh, spurts where they maybe haven't shown up and played. They kind of looked like they're uh, up against the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they're, they're there for the first time in a decade. Yeah, and their next game's at home, and if they win, they need to do the storm surge, because right now this series, uh, with, with no disrespect to either team, this series right now is getting my vote for least interesting series. Which I hate. I hate it because I'm a fan of both teams, objectively speaking. But, yeah, there's no good storylines. None of the games have been bad, but they haven't been particularly great. It's Brooks Orpik scored an OT winner, which is noteworthy. Yeah, I guess that's noteworthy. Yeah. Um Speaking of uninteresting series, thanks to the Penguins, the Islanders are up 3-0 over over them in that series. And that's what makes it interesting because, man... Pittsburgh has healthy Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Latang, and Matt Murray right now. And they're down 3 nothing to the uh, if, Valtteri Filippo and Leo Komarov led New York Islanders. I know Barzell's the thing. Stop. I'm going to be a Red Wings fan here for a moment. I love 
watching Evgeny Malkin get picked on and suckered into the same thing that happened to Kadri. Yeah. Because he does this garbage. He does this crap every single series, all his whole career. And he does it and it goes away and people are like, no, Evgeny Malkin's only a superstar. He's not, uh, he's not like rough or dirty or anything. I'm like, no, he is. Like, the guy's prone to anger and outbursts. And, he is and some, certainly a lunatic. Yeah. And the, the Islanders got on that quick. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, too, just how blind even hockey announcers are. So I was watching the CBC broadcast the game, too. And after the game was over and the Islanders had won, there was just a scrum that broke out. And, you know, everybody's kind of just grabbing their guy. Crosby grabs a guy, you know, whoever else is, grabs a guy. And it's, it's a scrum, whatever. You do whatever. Malkin's just running around grabbing almost every Islander he can get a hold on, giving... Getting, giving them a punch in the face, and then the rest will get in between, and then Malkin will go skate and grab another Islander and punch him in the face, and then all the Islanders would just be like, hell no, and they would pounce on him, and then the Penguins get pissed off because all the Islanders are rushing their superstar. Again, as the Penguins should. They don't know why they're all pissed off at Malkin. And the announcers are like, oh, the Islanders are taking some liberties with... Uh, Malkin and the Penguins don't like it. I'm like, guys, I'm watching what just happened on your broadcast. I know you've seen this. <laughs> and it's, it's superstars get this buy in the NHL, yeah. and I hate it. And, you know, it's surprising because Malkin's not even a top 100 player in the NHL all time. Yeah, he does not deserve <laughs> this type of... I don't know that kind of uh, treatment. <laughs> He's no Duncan Keith, who no, actually no. also gets the same treatment. He's removed a lot of teeth from Vancouver Canucks over the years. Yeah, and let's not forget he slashed two guys in the face and has got a combined seven games for them. Uh, San Jose Vegas uh, has actually been fun. I like that series because I was fully expecting Vegas to How do you dominate. stay awake for those games? Um, playoff hockey? Adderall. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, playoff hockey does something to me. I, I I have given up trying to go to bed at 11 for, for the duration of the playoffs. 11, wow. Wild, man. No, I don't actually. I still make it to bed for like one thirty. but saying 11 makes me feel better. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. The sole reason I have a TV in my bedroom is playoff hockey so that as soon as the last game ends, it's just off. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, San Jose is... I still... I, I don't believe they're going to go far, and I don't believe they're going to go far for the sole reason of goaltending. You know, Martin Jones was pulled in favor of Dell, I think, game two. Game two after, I think, Vegas went up 3 nothing in the first seven minutes. Logan Couture almost lost a testicle. Oh, I can't watch that replay yeah, I watched it twice, and it makes me want to barf. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, for a team that traded with the Detroit Red Wings, I'm really surprised they took Nyquist and not. Uh, Jimmy Howard? Steve's genuine surprise. when <laughs> Wait, they made a trade with the... Oh, my God. Why did they not? They were on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's that's going to be a fun series, though, because it's a fun team like Vegas going up against a very fun team with no goaltending in San Jose. And again, Carlson has had a great series. Brent Burns has had a great series. Couture, Pavelski, Thornton have all had great series objectively. And if you looked at their stat lines right now, you'd be like, yeah, they're up to nothing. And they're not. Um, Vegas is about to get uh, Gusev. Nikita Gusev is coming over from the KHL. Often regarded as the best player not in the NHL. This should be interesting because Vegas isn't the type of team that I could see just automatically giving him a spot because, hey, we heard you're good. Here, get in the lineup. Yeah. I'm I'm really curious to see what they can do because he was, what, did he win or finish second in the KHL scoring race? I honestly don't know, but I I know he's not there. I think he won it. I think if they lose game three... He'll instantly be in that lineup. Yeah, he, he'll need a few days to go into it. And uh, there's another guy that just got signed that will be appearing in another Western Conference series, which we'll get to shortly. Which we'll do right now. Okay. Calgary, uh, Colorado. 
Calgary the, won the first game in dominating fashion. Colorado came back and won the second game in overtime. Because Nathan McKinnon is a human cartoon and is extremely fast. Yeah. Do you know who else is extremely fast? Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. Newly signed Hobie Baker Award winner. Kale McCarr, who will be making his NHL debut shortly for the Avalanche. Same draft as Heiskanen? Yes. That was the draft where Heiskanen went third. Kale yes. McCarr went fourth. Yes. That might be the best one-two punch a defenseman in a draft class we'll see for some time. Here's just a fun hypothetical question. Quick quick poll. Should one, two, and three, four in that draft be switched? Heiskanen and McCarr go in the top two, and Patrick and Heischer go three, four? I... I mean, we're living in... Because obviously Patrick should go in that range now, but I'm curious to see where you rank Heischer up against those two guys. Look, I don't want to knock on Nico Heischer, and I think a lot of this comes from bias against other number one picks in like three years plus or minus from him um, who are projected to be better than him or or might be better than him. And I also have a bias towards defensemen, but yeah, I agree. I genuinely agree. We've seen Aaron Ekblad go first overall, and I don't think he'll stack up as well as Heiskanen and maybe Makar by the time it's all set. Well, we redrafted that draft and he went, what, fifth, sixth, yeah, something like that? Much lower. So. Uh, yeah, as of right now, I'd, I'd give it some strong consideration. I would do some bad things from your Heiskanen on this team. Um, Elliot Friedman said it right. He would be getting a lot more attention if he was uh, playing in a, a, a hot, big hockey market. Oh, yeah. 100%. And not he's that having... Dallas is a small hockey market, but we're talking about where he's having... the minutia of teams are, are broken down, like Detroit, Toronto. Now we're going to see what Kale McCarr can do because it's his turn. And poor kid's getting thrown right into the fire playoff hockey against the Western Conference champions. But hey, home ice advantage is Colorado's now. So the Kale McCarr contract is interesting because if he plays one game, a year of his ELC is burned. And they've already said it's happening. That's not even a debate. And that means that they do the opposite of what Detroit did with um, Zadina, Philip Zadina, which is that they don't play him more than a preset amount of games so they don't have to protect him in the upcoming expansion draft. I don't think... I think he'll still be exempt from these... Oh, no, he'll, they'll have to protect they'll him. They'll have to protect him. Even though I thought it was... His ELC... A year of his ELC was burned, but because he didn't play the 10 games... Uh, it's something to do with his age and eligibility. Right, because uh, he's two years removed from the draft. Yeah. You're right, because he's 20. So, and a lot of people have been criticizing them for that, but here's the counter-argument, which I've read actually in quite a few places from Colorado fans and I'm really impressed and I tend to agree is okay so they lose Zadorov in the expansion draft and they also get um Makar off his ELC a year sooner which means his first contract will likely be cheaper because he's a defenseman they take longer to develop and you know players of that caliber are going to keep getting better all the way up until age like 27 28 so you get him on his first contract after ELC sooner you're probably saving a couple million bucks yeah, just get him on eight years at that point. Brock Besser is going to be signed for cheaper because they burned a year of his ELC early. And I remember like they caught some heat for that, but they're probably going to get that guy for well, cheaper. They're, they're doing it with Quinn Hughes right now. Yeah. It's not always a sound thing to do. Like Detroit made the right move, move with Philip Zadina because there's other considerations there. Um, and they also don't know what Zadina will be yet. Um, but with Kale McCarr, like, yeah, take that. If you lose Zadorov, like, teams are going to lose worse than Zadorov. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's life. He's kind of like an enigma in Colorado, eh? Like, some metrics say that that guy does not play extremely well, and then you give it the eye test, and when he's not there, you can see that defensive group is missing a huge component of it. Well, now they have Kel McCarr, so there's his replacement. Yeah. And, uh, uh, again, Nathan McKinnon, he's fast. He's so fast. He's... he's- it's almost unfair how fast he is because now like Jack Hughes gets compared. They're like, yeah, he's not 
he's fast. He's not Nathan McKinnon fast. And it's like, yeah, obviously he's not Nathan McKinnon fast. The only person who's Nathan McKinnon fast and that good is Connor McDavid. End of list. But Connor McDavid only has one leg. That's true. Slightly torn PCL. He should be good in for in time for training camp. Dope. He was mini golfing with a brace on. This, at is, West play- Edmonton this Mall. is playoffs, Ryan. We don't talk about Edmonton now. They don't Edmonton still here. has like four and a half feet of snow. Ugh. Ugh, Michigan got snow today. Gross. I golfed yesterday. How was it? I shot a seventy-eight. I was quite happy with nice. that. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any old drivers? Uh, I what? Are you left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Uh, the only right-handed driver I have is from nineteen fifty-six. Fantastic. It was actually built in, uh, it was actually made in the area. I didn't know we had a company in huh. that time frame that built, made drivers. Well, more, you know, fun fact, Bauer Hockey Equipment originated in Kitchener. Oh, yeah. Yep. I knew there that. Bauer family, big in Canada. There you go. Uh, a series which I'm very smug about, St. Louis, Winnipeg. I know it's not like the most out there pick to pick St. Louis. I pick St. Louis, and that's the only one I have right right now. I th- yeah, I'm not doing great. <laughs> no, not good. I'm not like, I, and this isn't to discount Winnipeg, but St. Louis came in so hot it was hard to pick against them, um, and they've it, they've shown up. It, Hellebuck, not good. No, he real bad. Yeah. Mm, if only there was a bottom feeding team who with a very cob- capable goalie who could have. Oh, there's no way they up. weren't. There was no way they weren't going with Hellebuck after that contract no, they gave him. No, no, and I. But still, still, it's nice to have an option just in case you need to win hockey well, games. Brassois, their backup, had a real good year in the games he played. So I'm, I would not be surprised if Hellebuck has a rough game three if it's Brassois the rest of the way. And that's fine. Like Connor Hellebuck will be the starter for this team next year. One bad playoff. Does not make it the contract, you know? Like Hi, Sergei Bobrovsky. No, he's going to Florida. We all know it. No, I mean... Oh, yeah. Bad playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I I think people get too hung up in the moment. Like, people evaluate goalies way too tangentially for how crazy mental their game is. You can evaluate a player based on a whole season and, and probably get a good, you know, trajectory of where they've been and where they'll go most of the time. But with goalies, it's just like, oh, we get a terrible Roberto Luongo this year, but he's had 11 amazing seasons before. Let's not count him out. He'll probably be amazing again, which actually happens. So, yeah, Kyle Buck might cost Winnipeg this series, but... Oh, he definitely cost him game two. Yeah, it's not been great. Yeah, when uh, Ryan O'Reilly takes a wrist shot unscreened from the top of the circles and it beats you under the arm... Uh, that's not Patrick Laine shooting there. I know you're not ripping on certified Butte Ryan O'Reilly right now. I'm nemesis rip- of all Tim Hortons around. Yeah, I was going to say I'm ripping on <laughs> Tim Hortons true. sponsor Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Nashville, Dallas, also tied one-one. I think that gets the vote for people look at that series and go, "Oh, right, that's a series." <laughs> yeah. yeah, which sucks because I those are both very intriguing teams. I've actually watched both of those games. They were good. Well, parts of both games. It was good hockey. I think we're really fortunate this year. There's something to like in every series, but there's a few big standouts. Like the Toronto, Boston, uh, Tampa Bay, Columbus. The um, Islanders and Penguins hate each other. It's Islanders wonderful. and Penguins. And everybody hates the Penguins, though. Everyone hates them. Everyone who plays the Penguins hates them. So the Penguins are funny because they're not looking good. They are almost definitely going to lose this series. Um, they're not. Like their cap situation moving forward is weird, and then Jim Rutherford has kind of gotten away from like the speed and skill that won them multiple Stanley Cups. And also, let's not forget they have basically no good prospects and no draft picks. Yeah. Now, if I was in that position, I would almost say 
this sucks. I'm pissed off that Jim Rutherford's done this. It's confusing, but also we won three cups. So, like, yeah. if we're bad for the next decade, like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, man. if you have to uh, sacrifice some for some lean years to win some cups, yeah. We're doing it right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. Like a lot of years. I mean, it's painful. Let me tell you, life is painful right now, but uh, it was sweet in the moment. Oh, it was. That's probably. Mika has found the air duct. It is now a new musical instrument. (laughs) I have to say, watching Tiger today was the most uh, tense I felt in an important sports moment since the Red Wings have been competitive in the playoffs. I realized that as it was happening. Mel was talking and she's like, are you really this nervous? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, it's crazy. I, well, yeah, yeah, I have nothing else to say. On I'm not sure how that relates to the Penguins, but. No, it doesn't. Um, okay. We were just talking about lean years. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Did Alabama beat the Penguins. Probably. <laughs> Although, didn't they just lose a spring game, Alabama? I don't know. Um, that's the playoffs right now. Moving forward. I really hope some of these 2 nothing series kind of even out because I really do love first-round hockey. No, I do not want all of them. I really want to see Columbus sweep Tampa. That would be the type of chaos I'm here for. I would love to see Columbus. Uh, no, I want a seven-game series there. It's I a want to Steve Eisenman haunting Tampa. Now, you know what? Yeah, if Columbus knocks them out early, they're just going to push Steve Eisenman towards Detroit quicker. Yeah, so let's go. Four games. Yeah. And the thing, too, that I don't know if a lot of people have realized this yet, which... Which, how in, involved in Southern Ontario we are, I can't believe it's not mentioned more. If Tampa gets bounced and Pittsburgh gets bounced, do you know how realistic an Islanders Leafs conference final is? Uh, yeah, I was when I was doing my bra- that's why I hate the, I want, like the bracket system. I am here for three more times of John Tavares having to go to the island. Look, yes, that series would be incredible. I would die of happiness for that series. I do not want the Leafs that far. In the no, playoffs. I don't either, but that this is the nice consolation prize to it. It's just the bracket system that allows easier paths for some teams drives me nuts. You know what that's good for? March Madness. End of list. End of story. That's because not... every team at that point is so incredibly close in skill, yeah. and it's amateur sports. And that's it. Essentially. It adds to the esteem of the, the tournament. Playoff hockey should be seeded one through eight, reseeded every round. End of story. If you want to talk about reseeding East and West in the conference finals, yeah, I'll hear an argument for that. But besides that, go back to how it used to be. Angry old man rant over. Um, let's get to the World Championships. The Women's World IIHF World Championships, which ended today. A.K.A. Uh, the National Tragedy in Canada. The uh, Canadians won the bronze medal game over Russia. They thumped them. I think it was 7-0. Yes, this was the first ever, and if you you heard that right, Canada won the bronze, which means this was the first ever gold medal game in the World Championships ever played, not between Canada and the U.S. Now, the final was between uh, U.S. and Finland. Um, the game went to overtime. We're going to skip forward. The game went to overtime. Um, was a great game to watch. Admittedly, I tuned in after the Masters. Uh, it was an incredibly exciting game to watch. And Finland seemingly won in overtime. Um, but then there was... <laughs> I can't even begin to explain the situation. Essentially, the, uh, there was a crash towards the net. The Finnish player got a shot on the net. There was a crash towards the net. Uh, the player and the goalie both dove for the puck at the same time. Uh, the player got tripped by... Or the Finnish player got tripped by an American whilst diving for the puck. Uh, the player and the goalie collided. The puck came loose to a trailing Finnish player who scored it and won it seemingly for Finland in overtime. Um, Finland was celebrating. Tweets went out. Everything went up. 
Finland wins gold. Uh, great. Amazing. The goal is now under review. Um, the Finnish player was deemed to have, this is what the official ruling was. Was deemed Wait, to have, they st- how far into the celebrations are we at this point? Like the players threw their gloves off. There's like, uh, how amount of time has passed since the puck went in the net? Uh, I'm not sure, but it was like the, the, the celebration starts almost instantly. Like it wasn't yeah. like hours after. It was like, you know, like within a oh, minute. Oh, I thought like the banners were going up. And no, 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 no. Oh, okay, okay. Um, they're reviewing it, and it was ruled that the Finnish player interfered with the American goalie, and the goal was disallowed. But also the tripping call on the American player still stood because penalties can't be changed upon review so they still had to stand even though the finished player was deemed to have interfered with the goalie so the goal didn't stand um what was funny was people were screaming they said no the goalie was out of the crease they had no right to their space that's actually false goalies you still can't interfere with them out outside of the crease you can't stop them from doing their job but that's not what the finished player did the finished player went for the puck and incidentally made contact she was already barreling forward at full speed and incidentally made contact as she was going for the puck at the same time. My opinion is that it was objectively the wrong call and the fins were robbed. Yeah, I agree with the call. Um, on a on a side... With the call or me? With the call, with the rules. Oh! I understand that it's a rule that you're not supposed... You're not allowed to interfere with the goalie when they're outside of their crease. I hate that rule. If the goalie leaves a blue, it's at your own risk. Now, I'm not saying... Now, a lot of people take that as that it's open reign to just go and belt the goalie. You can... If you purposely hit the goalie you get a roughing penalty is how i would police that but yeah incidental conduct like that if it happens and you knock the goalie behind the goal line because the goalie was diving for a puck that you were going for and you two just hit each other goalie knew the risk coming out of the blue but the rules agree with what you just said i I agree the rules state that so i understand that that's irrelevant to this but i just wanted to throw that in there because i hate the way that rule is structured um because that's the what they deemed to have happened here it was just yeah it I don't understand how they came to that conclusion. The only thing I can think of is that they said the uh, Finnish player didn't make a reasonable effort to get out of the like to not make contact. She was falling, but she. They also referees also deemed that she got tripped by an American player. So I'm really confused. It's just like how uh, when a defenseman pushes a player into their own goalie, and people are like, "Well, you pushed the player into your own goalie. Like you're an idiot." Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like that. The NHL's kind of nailed the whole letting those stand because, like, yeah, the goalie got absolutely bowled over, but it was your dumbass fault it happened. Um, for the record, America won. Or the In a shootout, shootout, which is another... Oh. Hey, we're out of time, man. Got to resurface the ice, get the nice... Get the tykes on. <laughs> yeah, we got... The- <laughs> We have this meeting room. If you guys could uh, wrap this up or finish it elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got, you know. Listen, it's a tight schedule. You guys had two hours to play this game. Dinner reservations are for 630. We need to get this moving along. So let's uh, yeah. end this incredibly important game uh, by a it's random like, shootout. It's not like soccer where, you know, you just run out of steam after running for that long. And it's really hard to score. And you need a shootout to get this thing over with. The Hockey doesn't need that hockey no. has line changes yes you can get your rest not and that it not that overtime is easy and you're not exhausted but at the same time we've seen nhl games where in the fifth overtime someone scores a goal because yeah. they can still skate and shoot yep so is it is it stupid or insensitive for me to say this is the last thing women's hockey needed right now this was the last thing women's hockey needed. and as a sport that's growing it was monumental that uh, team, other than U.S. and Canada, made the gold medal game, and the fact they had it won and didn't get it, 
that moments like that, Finland winning a gold medal game in overtime is what starts spreading women's hockey through that country. Canada and the U.S. is doing great right now growing women's hockey, but man, we it's an international game. We can't have just North America catching on. Not that these countries aren't growing, but that rapid growth that we would have seen from this would have been fantastic. It's just, it's a shame. And again, not that you ever make a call based on who's there. But yeah, it sucks. And the timing's awful. And women's hockey just keeps getting kicked again and again right as they started getting some steam. And also for, for our listeners who aren't huge followers of women's hockey, you need to understand the women's world championship is not like the men's world championship where the no. men's world championship, most of the good top players aren't there because they're in the playoffs. The other ones who are there are loaded. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not the same. This is the premier event for women's hockey. You get the Olympics once every four years, but yearly the world championships are it. This is what their year builds towards. So to have it end this way, imagine game seven of the cup finals ended like this. That just happened in women's hockey. This uh, is their equivalent of Brett Hull's foot in the crease. Yeah. Yes, it certainly is. Like, And Finland has opened a challenge. Um, I can't remember the last time a major organization has ever overturned overturned a ruling, no matter how black and white oh, it is. Oh, they won't. The logistics face. would be insane. If they go by the rule book, which they're very clearly not doing today. Um, it's rigged, just like the draft lottery. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had to fight off a lot of people who think that the draft lottery is rigged. It's not rigged, but I've actually really eased my upset at Detroit falling too. The more I've looked at mock drafts, the more I've went the rankings. I'm I'm good. Oh, if there's ever and we said that right after we recorded, we said it, we were going to normalize after. Like it was the statistically the most likely option. And if there's ever a year to be drafting six, it's this year. It's fine. Detroit got lucky last year in getting Zadina. This year, it's like they're going to get someone of that caliber no matter what. And on that note, let's do our mock draft. Yay! So we're going to take turns, and uh, Brad, Evan, and I are going to draft picks 1 through 15. Are we doing what we think the teams will take or what we would take if we were the teams? We're going to put ourselves in the shoes of the GM. You are the GM of that team. You are making that pick. I, that doesn't... I, I, so what, if, you, if, you are, <laughs> if you are Ken Holland, what would you do? Oh, okay, so we're, t- we're doing what we think the team will do. Yes. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors to see who... Go odds and evens. It's so much easier with three people. Okay. One or two? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Three, two, two one. one. What are you? I got one. I can always see. Okay. I'm okay, picking so first. Brad's picking first. And then... Uh, Should we just go in this way? This yeah, normal way yeah. we go? So it'll go Brad, Evan, myself. Okay. So Brad, number one for New Jersey Devils. I, Ray Shiro, will take Jack Hughes. Evan, number two for the New York Rangers. They're taking Capo, Caco. Number three for Chicago because they miss um, having Panarin on their team. They will take Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, number four for Colorado, Brad. Now now the draft starts, essentially, because yeah. that's pretty much how the top three will go. I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago threw a wrench in there. And I'm pretty them. sure we said the exact same thing last year. Uh, yeah. the top and then like now the no, draft begins where? no last year it was at three because Montreal when the rumors got out that they might take Kakanyemi we're like okay now everything's up in the air you knew who the top two were going to be and then all bets were off and hey it worked that way so again I always I'm a big big believer in best player available Colorado is not very deep at offense they're a fast team in a fast league, so they're going to accentuate that speed. And the Avalanche are going to take from the USNTDP, Alex Turcotte. You jerk. 
Why would you do that? Because I'm Joe Sack and I'm a smart man, Ryan. Uh, L.A. at number five, Evan. Who are you going to take? This they, is the wild card. They suck everywhere. Yeah, they are so the big wild card. They are taking Bowen Byram. And every Red Wings fan just punched you in the throat. You know who? You know who reminds me a bit of of uh, Drew Doughty, Bowen Byram. Do you know who would be a good guy for Bowen Byram to learn from? Drew Doughty. Wow, it's amazing how that works. Yeah, because so many people, Red Wings fans, are certain that Byram is going to slip to them at six, and I would not bet. I would not even be shocked if Chicago or Colorado grabbed him. The lowest a the first defenseman in an NHL draft has dropped since going back as far as 2010, and that's only because that's as far back as I, I checked. I think it's five. Two, uh, since 2003, the top defenseman in the draft hasn't got out of the top five. Oftentimes, it's been three, four, two, or one. Yeah. Um, so I will be really surprised, especially with Byram's skill set. Like the guy isn't known as like a defensive defense. Like his offensive skills are what advertises he, him. He had That's almost to players. He had almost thirty goals this year as an underage defenseman, a true underage defenseman in the WHL. He's a two thousand one birthday. He was not a late birthday. So he. That's insane. Now, um, we've been talking a lot about Turcotte being our preferred pick for Detroit. But don't sleep on Bowen. If Bowen Byram sl- slips that far, like that's a huge get for Detroit. Like this is my hell, hell right now. I would like one or both of them to be available. Yeah. As of this moment, again, we have two months to change our opinions, and I'm very likely going to change my opinion on a lot of these guys. The more we watch and the more tape we watch, and the U18s haven't even happened. And like I said, there is not a lot of separation between picks four through eight here. We'll say, and these U18s are going to go a long way in deciding how that's going to play out in the draft. Now. Like you said, this is the absolute hellscape for Detroit. Not hellscape, because there's still for us. I should two say. or three really good players here. Now, this isn't who I would prefer, but I know if Kirby Doc falls to six, there are a lot of people in the Detroit organization, Chris Draper included, who will be through the roof. So Detroit at number six will take Kirby Doc if given the opportunity. Mm. Draper loves Doc. I know they've been going to watch him a ton, but they. To be fair, so I've, I've seen a lot of reports that yeah. Detroit spent a lot of time in Saskatoon, but do you know what's really, really close to Detroit, Michigan? Ann Arbor, Michigan, where the USNTDB plays. So you can imagine the Red Wings have spent an ungodly amount of time there this year as well. Now, I have some, not major news, but an interesting piece of information to break, which was shared to us by listener Cameron Mugford, who lives out west. Uh, he DM'd us and said, just bumped into Draper at the Blades Raider game, the playoff game, and jokingly said, take uh, Kirby Doc at number six. Draper responded and said, he's not going to be there. Interesting. So Interesting. the team very clearly thinks highly of him, and either from how highly they think of him or where, We're they, know, and Byram. where they know the rest of the organization. I will be very surprised if, if Chris Draper who obviously is very in touch with scouting departments across the league, doesn't think Doc's going to be there at six. I would put my money on the fact that him not being there at six or at this stage. So thank you, Cameron, for sharing that with us. And that's anyways. Yeah. Here's Wonderwall. Go Number back. seven, Brad Buffalo, the Buffalo Sabres. Speaking of teams that need help everywhere, starting at coach. Are there any coaches in this draft? <laughs> Um, so putting myself in Buffalo, Jason Bottrell's shoes, this is a team that is lacking speed. They need a physical, fast, aggressive center. And to me, that sounds a hell of a lot like Dylan Cousins. Mm -hmm. So I think Dylan Cousins goes to the Buffalo Sabres at seven. Number eight for the Oilers. Evan, who are you taking? Trevor Zegers. 
Really? Because they blow. You're going with another center. For who? The Oilers. Oilers? They yeah, they they need he's slid at this point in our in our mock draft, so they will be more than happy to take him. Do they reach for a Soderstrom or trade down to justify taking a different defenseman? I think they need to take a forward here. Yeah. All things being equal, again, never draft for need unless it's indistinguishable in talent if you're split on a guy, which, again, the way this draft is shaping up might actually be the case in a lot of picks. Um, but, man, McDavid can't and Dreisaitl can't do it all. They need some secondary scoring. So if you can get a playmaker like Zegers to start getting Nuge the puck a little more or whoever, yeah, you do it. <sighs> Number nine for Anaheim, I'm going to go with Victor Soderstrom. Interesting. So that's the first time he's jumped into the top ten of any of our Fun little mocks that we've been doing. Soderstrom's been uh, high on a lot of people's mocks, and I think that they they have an idea over there to replace the defenseman that they've lost recently. Um, I think there's always been this, not obsession, but Anaheim's always been known for good defending and good goalies. And right now they have a good goalie, but he absolutely gets pummeled, and I think they're, they're going to want to start building, building to get away from that. That's not an incredibly deep analysis, but just in my mind with what's gone before them, I can see them taking Soderstrom there. Number 10 for Vancouver. This is tough. It's tough. This is a real tough one. You have Peyton Krebs on the board. You have Newhook, Caulfield, Suzuki, Broberg, Boldy. So Vancouver kind of needs help everywhere, so they don't have a specific need. I'm tending to lean with a forward here for them because – they don't have a lot of depth scoring. I'm tempted to take Peyton Krebs. They would have got a lot of looks at him, but the thought of putting a pure finisher like Cole Caulfield next to Elias Pettersson is too good to pass up, so I have to go with Cole Caulfield here. I think Cole Caulfield's going to jump into the top 10. I wouldn't be surprised. Man, he he is the carbon copy of Alex DeBrinkett, who Alex DeBrinkett in his second NHL season just scored 40 goals this year. Yeah, a lot of teams. Every single team in the NHL feels dumb about Alex DeBrinkett. So, Every single one. So fun fact, there's this um, shot guru in the States who's running a clinic teaching guys how to shoot, how to score, how to read angles, yada, 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 and all that stuff. Not only is Cole Caulfield a participant in this, the guy who runs it is his dad. Inside so if, I, if anybody who's wondering why Cole Caulfield is such an elite shooter and goal scorer, despite being only five foot seven, that probably has a lot to do with it. Uh, number 11 for Philadelphia, who will be upset with Cole Caulfield going right before them. Evan, who are you taking? They will take Matthew Boldy. Oh, okay. You're going with Matthew Boldy at number 11. So the USNTDP's Triggerman go back to back. Uh, and I think number 12, if Minnesota has him there, will be thrilled with Peyton Krebs. Yeah, he should not drop out of the top 10, but it's just so deep. It, it might happen that way. Number 13 for Florida. Who are you taking, Brad? Oh, man. Oh, man. There's a lot. Florida. Yeah. Man, this, okay, this is the first time ever I think free agency would swing a pick. If they don't get Bobrovsky, I think they go Spencer Knight, but if they do get him, I don't think they're going to sit on him for eight years. This is the first time I would or bet 50% years. or higher on a free agent going to a specific team. Yeah. I think Bobrovsky's definitely going to Florida. Yeah, because if he doesn't, Spencer Knight would wake, make way too much sense here. But yeah, I think Bobrovsky's going there. So Florida needs a ton of help on defensemen. So I am going with Mississauga Steelhead's Thomas Harley. 
No, you're going Harley that high. Build as this year's Thomas Shabbat. Uh, number 14 for Arizona, Evan. Oh, Arizona, eh? Who need help with staying healthy. So pick yeah. a good trainer. Unfortunately, I don't see any of those in the draft rankings. So they will take Arthur Kaliev. Kaliev? Kaliev, yeah. Yep. I actually like that pick a lot. The 51-goal the scorer out of the OHL. Uh, and number 15 for Montreal, who... Um, oh, do it. Do it. What do you mean, do it? Do it. Do who? I'm. Cons- I'm. Cons- it's your pick. Uni- Don't listen to Brad. Unite the brothers. Don't do it. Don't listen. Unite the brothers. Mm. Chaos. I don't have them that high on my list here, but do it. Oh, I didn't even look at what your list was. I'm working off of a different list. They'll take Ryan Suzuki. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a second, I was like, "Who are you asking for?" Because I, I, I had like. Um, New hook up there still. I was looking at Robertson. I was looking at McMichael. I was like, oh, oh, he's talking about Suzuki. So the only guy we had in my top 15 that we didn't pick was... New hook? Philip Broberg. Oh, we did No, sorry. Philip Broberg and Spencer Knight. So we... Broberg and Broberg, really. I, I In a real... In a different world, I can see them taking Broberg. Like, oh, yeah. They're going to want a defense to succeed after Shea Yeah, Weber. I had Suzuki at 17, so it's the right range for him anyway, but... And we're Team Chaos here. Yeah, Team so, Chaos, bring the brothers together. The brothers Suzuki. First, uh, our first mock draft, we're going to be doing three main mock drafts. One now, one after the playoffs are over, and one right before the NHL draft, at least. Because after the playoffs, we'll know the nec- the full first-round order, so that will be the first 31-team mock draft we will do. Uh, number one overall to Jersey, Jack Hughes. Number two to New York, Capo Caco. Number three to Chicago, Vasily Podkolzin. Number four to Colorado, Alex Turcott. Number five to L.A., Bowen Byram. Number six to the Detroit Red Wings, Kirby Dock. Number seven to Buffalo, Dylan Cousins. Number eight to Edmonton, Trevor Zegras. Number nine, Victor Soderstrom to Anaheim. Number 10 to Vancouver, uh, Cole Caulfield. 11 to Philly. Matthew Boldy, number 12 to Minnesota, Peyton Krebs, 13 to Florida, Thomas Harley, 14 to Arizona, Kaliev, and number 15 to Montreal, Ryan Suzuki. There we go. Let's see how that changes between now and next uh, mock draft. I'm really trying hard to not like paint myself into like disliking a prospect or anything like that, but man, if, if Zegris... And Cousins are available at six, and the Red Wings pick Doc. I'm going to be rattled. And I love Kirby Doc as a player, but he is not what Detroit needs, and I don't think he's objectively more skilled than the other two. If we're doing, if we were doing what we would take, that would be a different order. But I genuinely believe if Doc is there at six and the Red Wings think that highly of him, I don't see them passing up. Um, How could you, a team that lacks a playmaker in Zegris is don't get me wrong Doc's a playmaker too but man if Zegris is there how do you not we have some quick hits that we haven't ha- gotten to in a couple weeks and we're still not going to get to today uh Slava Voinov there's been news on him uh a year suspension through next season and next season's playoffs completely before he's eligible for return um co coach Q Joel Quenville got hired into Florida um and i wanted to chat also we had a question about ncaa eligibility we're going to get to that in future weeks i have a question yeah who lives in game of thrones at the end of the season we'll get to that nope. the the night king i don't know what that is how are you gonna what what who's that the 
dude with the without spoilers, the dude with the spear. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> the, the Night King, the whole know. the guy, his whole I season is based around. Name. I did not know he had a name. You know, I thought Evan was a little too into it this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna get over to Patreon, uh, Patreon, where of course all of our uh, Patreon contributors get their comments and questions read out on air as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. Uh, Baxter says, if you had to choose Mantha or Athanasiu, who would you rather have on your current beer league team? On my beer league team? Beer league? Athanasiu, just so I can sit back and watch him go. Yeah. No, I want Mantha. Mantha Nobody likes a guy who skates faster than everyone who looks like a big dust show. Yeah. uh, Athanasiu. Listen here, I take personal offense. I was going to say, (laughs) Athanasiu plays beer league the way I would like to play I haven't tried in beer league in eight years. Yes, I've played with you, I'm aware. Evan is the hashtag too cool in every aspect of his life. Yeah. Uh, Dan Bell says hey gents hope all is well how awesome is it to watch the pens get pushed around so far love it uh, especially watching Malkin pout like the big Biachi is some great playoff hockey so far Peter's doing well Jensen having a good series too hopefully by the time you read this Tiger will have won or close to winning another green jacket oh and nothing makes me hap- makes me happier than watching Tampa lose two at home how great would it be if they got swept that'd be a glorious day anywho no real Red Wing stuff from me I expect nothing different from Holland this offseason so can't wait for the draft preview stuff cheers Hey, happy days for Dan. He's really loving the way the playoffs are going. Uh, Jacob Lozen says, um, Sup, dudes. I'm still laughing at Steve Dangle talking about the Leafs Wings rebuilds in a Bane voice. I'll never <laughs> be able to watch The Dark Knight Rises again and take it serious. <laughs> Good playoff hockey to be watched. What teams are you guys pulling for? I'm secretly liking the fact that CBJ is bringing the fight to Tampa. I'm I'm team chaos in the playoffs, so this has been fantastic so far. Uh, truly pulling for the Hurricanes. Other than that, I just want good hockey and also chaos. Also, I just want to say for the Dangle episode, he got here. All of us had a long day, him the longest. And I'm just sitting here like, we're making this poor guy record so late at night. We are all wiped. Like, we didn't start recording until 1030. And that was, I'm sorry, Evan. That was one of the funniest episodes we, like, in terms of how funny it was for us to record that we've ever done. We were, like, heaving behind the mics. We had to turn our faces away so you just wouldn't hear the back of our throats. Oh, my God. Funny story. That just reminded me from the tournament I was in. So the, the tournament team I play with, I uh, just finished up a charity tournament, which, by the way, thanks of, to those of you that donated uh, online. I did. Uh, it was um, for the Canadian Cancer Society, and I tweeted out a link for donations, and a couple of you donated, so thank you. Um, but I don't personally know a ton of the people on the team. It's a bunch of my wife's work friends. And uh, we were sitting there talking after the game, and um, they were just asking me what I did. So I was t- talking about the podcast and all that stuff. And, and one girl on the team looks at me and kind of goes, so you're kind of the dangle of Detroit, huh? And I'm like, funny you should mention that. So then we were we got into talking about that, like how we know Steve and known him for eight years, yada, yada, yada. And he was just on an episode, so she literally got out her phone and downloaded the episode while I'm right there. She's like, well, I'm going to listen to that. And then um, she's like, so do you do videos and all that? And I'm like, no, I've uh, only ever. Yeah. Um, I, I actually submitted, I, I actually submitted one. I was on one of Steve's this year and I'm like, if you saw the the game where Larkin scored the OT winner, she's like, no, wait. And then it clicked and she's like, that was you. And I'm like, oh, I kind of got recognized in the arena. I've cool. never heard a single statement that would make Brad Crisco happier than you're the dangle of deep. That's all you want. That is the. But I don't even make videos, so it doesn't really apply. No, but you know what, Brad? We've done it. We've made it. 
Um, this is the last episode of the Wingo podcast. <laughs> Evan Beckner says, "Hey guys, after the draft lottery, I was pretty salty, just like everyone else. But after researching potential picks, I quickly gained a positive outlook. Uh, there are four or five solid players that could be available at pick six. The best part of all the mock drafts have been these players going in different spots. Just want to point out a bright spot to the Salty Wings fan base. This is going to be a fun summer. You're absolutely right, man. It better be a fun summer." <laughs> Uh, Andrew Dubiel says, hey guys, just wanted to know if you've considered a dub-dub hockey game. I've heard the fellows at the Puck Podcast hoping, hosting a fan game every year, and they seem to have enough support for it year after year. After all, if two guys in Cali can do it, I'm sure three Canadians can do it better. Sounds like a logical common core math to me. I love seeing you guys grow as a podcast and have community involvement beyond the mics. As usual, keep up the great work on the pod. Uh, that's a great idea. Rent the Rink happens a lot, and... We would not rent an elaborate rink. We would rent the cheapest rink we could find. But I would love to do that. Oh, my God. That would be fun. Now, the question is, we would have to... The the conflict for us is we would probably have to do it in Windsor, I would think. How come? Well, there's not a lot of rinks in Detroit. Yeah, it would be probably logistically easier. Like, I mean, we could always try for somewhere in Detroit, but might be... Great idea, guys. We're going to look into that. We're going to put a pin in that. Thank you. Uh, Brendan B. Singer says, Hey, boys, just want to chime in and say I had a blast with everyone at the meetup last weekend and obviously with you guys at the game. On to my question. What's your worst-case scenario Stanley Cup final this year? I would say mine is Boston versus Colorado. I hate Boston's fan base, and while I don't have a team I really hate out west, the Avs have enough bad blood as far in the past as it was that I'd hate to see them win the Cup. Thanks, as always. Man, uh, yeah, I don't really hate a lot of teams in the playoffs out west. Uh, Toronto in the finals in the east is definitely my hell. Um... Toronto versus who'd be I'm just going to pick who'd be the most boring team to win in the West. I would say for me, it would be who's who's already won a cup in the West because whatever, like recently at all, because there's a lot of teams in the West that are in the playoffs right now that have never won a cup. Colorado, Calgary, Dallas. End of list. Okay, I'm going to go Toronto, Colorado is my hell final this year. Boston, Colorado would be mine. Just because Colorado, a old bad blood. If we're trying to rekindle that rivalry, and B, they just get they get uh, they are going to win a cup, and they have Nathan McKinnon on that contract, and they're going to another they're going to get another fourth overall this year. No, thank you, Evan. The ones we don't want to see. Yeah, what's yeah. your, what's your cup n- final? Toronto in the final, and doesn't matter. <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't matter because uh, I'd be rooting for that other team. Yeah, if it's Toronto, Colorado, just understand I'm a massive Avalanche fan for those two weeks. Uh, Joshua Bzura says, hey, boys, now that the season's over, but we're too far from next season for any serious speculation, I'd say it's about time to get silly. Which of the following two hypothetical scenarios would you rather see? Both scenarios include us getting one of Turcotte or Byram in the draft and either equal or greater production from all of Larkin, Mantha, Burt, and Athens CU. Would you rather see us get Eric Carlson in this offseason and make playoffs to lose in round one, say it's a good series that goes to seven, and the guys get some solid playoff experience, or have us spend another season in the lottery division and get a top three pick? No Carlson in this scenario. Honestly, I think I would take the first. I know we need, still need some significant pieces to be a cup contender, but I don't think we're too far from being a competitive team, especially if we get better player deployment. Let me dream, all right? I think with developing seasons from Cholowski and Hronik, Carlson and DeKaiser, Green, and one of the bums, we could put a respectable defense out on the ice. Also, top six of Mantha, Larkin, Burt, and Athanasiu, Turcotte, Zadina, not necessarily next year, could be pretty scary. Sorry for the two-part question. Keep the faith. Keep up the good work. Detroit depends on you boys. So I'm going to go with the playoff option um, because if the Red Wings are like just atrocious again next year, 
that's going to be a pretty good indication that this core is just not going to do it, which the silver lining to that would be another high pick. So then, you know, in a couple of years, we could be looking at Zegris Lafreniere down and Valeno down the middle or with Larkin, whoever, whatever it might be. <sighs> yeah, because if, if the Red Wings do not progress at least a little next year, that's going to be worrisome. That means that now, now we will have the entire top four of the offense in their prime, hopefully shuttling out a healthy Mike Green, a healthy Danny DeKaiser, a full-time Hronik, and a full-time Cholosky. I, I would expect progress there, unless Jeff Blashill just does insane Blashill things and, and ruins it for them. But yeah, there there has to be a step forward next year in some capacity. Oh, bud. Oh, Whoa, bud. your phone started ringing. I thought he had a strong feeling about your opinions. <laughs> yeah. My, my, I was going to say, man, I'm trying to be optimistic my here. My lower body area is vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> Listen um, here, Karen. Yeah. No, you're, I completely agree with what you say because you know what? <coughs> Still salty. If we're going in with the same draft lottery rules and not the gold plan, I have no interest in, in, in rooting for a tank again. I just like it. It just burns the soul. It tears the soul apart. And a good season next year means what we saw this year wasn't a fluke. So, yeah, I completely agree with Brad. Um, I'm going for the other one. You're going for Lafreniere? I, not to say that I'm cheering for a tank. I'm just saying um, I'd rather see us take someone who we can potentially have for their entire career than – and then, you know, Eric Carlson is Eric Carlson. Don't need to explain who he is, but – you know, losing a playoff series in the first round isn't our ultimate goal. Our goal is to win the Stanley Cup. And I think, you know, Eric Carlson would be a hell of a piece to add to do that. But I'd rather a swing for somebody who's young, who, who can come in and we build it our own way uh, rather uh, than through one person, through Eric Carlson. Not to say I wouldn't want Eric Carlson. Having Eric Carlson would be unreal. But I'd rather us swing for the fence. Get some if we're gonna get someone in the top three. Our goal is the Stanley Cup, not to lose in the first round in Game Seven. So the reason why I picked the playoffs wasn't necessarily because I, I, I agree with you. Who care? I would not actually care about losing in the first round of the playoffs. I whatever for Detroit as they are constructed now to get even with Eric Carlson to get to the playoffs means would have to mean that one of, if not multiple, of Larkin, Mantha, and Athens, you just play out of their damned minds and prove that they're true superstars. Because if they don't, this team is not making the playoffs. So we're either going to see such huge progression from a couple of the guys on the roster already that we can say we got those franchise players that that you're talking about. Because I'm this is I agree with you. This is a superstar league. We need a Lafreniere more than we need another. I, not the bash guy, but we need a Lafreniere more than we need another Mantha or Larkin or whoever. We need the guy. And as optimistic as we all are about how good this draft is, at six, we're not going to get that guy. We're going to get a really good top six player, a top two, three defenseman in all likelihood. But we're not getting the Jack Hughes. We're not getting the Crosby. We're not getting the Vetchkin. We're not getting the McDavid. Yeah. We need a Patrick Kane even. Jack Eichel, we're not getting that guy this year in all likelihood. So objectively speaking, yeah, it's probably better to get Lafreniere, Lucas Raymond, whoever next year. But if we don't, it means that someone on the roster turned into that guy. Uh, K-Waz says, well, my dudes, is it safe to call Tampa the new Washington? I'll probably be flying when you guys record this. Did you see Mike Smith go so far out of his net to play the puck a few times? Reminded me of regular season Hasek. What's the dumbest thing you've seen a goalie do during the playoffs, excluding Waz hot-dogging? 
Oh, oh. God. Was it Marty Brodeur 03 against Anaheim. Where he just went to play the puck, oh. dropped his stick, and the puck hits his stick, goes between his legs, and in the net. Never seen anything quite like that. That was remarkable. O2 Hashik uh, in overtime against St. Louis came out of his net to cross check someone, in, I believe, someone in the back. I don't, not Pronger. Uh, and then St. Louis probably scored on the power play from the point. It's probably worth it, though. Probably worth it. In the end, it was. Uh, Adam Flett says, Morning all. If no one minds, I'm going to start with a beer rating. I had a Chipotle porter this week, and my, it was spicy. Uh, not my cup of tea, but incredible flavor, to be sure. Do any of you guys drink porters? And if so, what's your favorite? I'm not going to drink a Chipotle porter, I'll tell you that. I had a habanero beer the other day, and I really loved the way they put the heat in it. It wasn't like a spiciness, but your mouth almost had that, like a dull pain that you do after you recover from eating a, a hot pepper. Nothing you said there sounds appeal- appealing <laughs> in a beer. They didn't sell that one. <laughs> your face looking at me like, what in God's green devil earth are <laughs> you? Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm like, this, I understand what you're saying, but what I can't process is, does this sound enjoyable to you? I don't understand the words. Brad's that not a hipster. <laughs> no. Brad does not understand hipster beer. Uh, I like porters. I don't love them so much where I have a favorite, but I'm always happy to try them. I always try to make the mistake where if I'm going to a party and I'm trying to bring a lot of beers, so to speak, to have a few ginger ales that night, and I'll bring something heavy like a porter, and after three, I'm like, I just had a third dinner. I can't keep doing this. I just fall asleep. Yeah, it puts me right out. Yeah, that's a that's a dinner beer. That's not a party beer. Uh, hockey thoughts with three picks in the second round. Who will you guys focus on any time? Uh, focus any time on players ranked in the second tier, thirty one to sixty two. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna. So with our draft rankings, we were talking. We're probably gonna run through the three through ten rank prospects for the next seven episodes and then we'll probably jump into the guys who we are ideally hoping for in the second round so guys who are projected late first that might slip second round guys and dive in a bit to that because there won't be enough time to go through like 40 prospects so we're gonna we're gonna narrow it down uh, as always, thanks for the pod. The dub dub keeps the UK up to date with Red Wings hockey. Thank you, Adam. Marissa says, all right, I'm exposing my stupidity because I'm trusting you good Canadian boys to be nice. This season was my first time watching hockey, so my hockey IQ is pretty low. Considering that at the very beginning of the season, I couldn't even follow the puck. I've come a long way, um, but I want to have a really good grasp of the nuances of the game. Apart from watching a lot of games, what are your tips for increasing hockey sense as a fan? I remember a few episodes ago, someone suggested that you go through some goals and explain what people did right and wrong, and I think that'd be really helpful for me. Thanks. We want to do a lot more of that, and we will do a lot more of that. We like You guys have told us that you like that, and as we have more content on an upcoming website coming out and possibly some video content in the future, we'd love to break that down. Watching games is the single best way to, to learn the game. Playoff hockey is also a great way to learn it. Watch teams other than Detroit as well. Grab a stick, grab a puck, hit the driveway. You don't under, you, It's hard to truly understand how difficult the game of hockey is until you try things. Again, I've played a high level of hockey my entire life. I'm 31 years old. I still struggle to make good contact on one-timers. Like, and it's something NHL players do at almost 100% success rate. It's hard to do the thing so just you'll learn just even just screwing around stick handling how the slightest shift in an angle on the stick can impact that how if your center of gravity is on leaning this way but the puck's going that way how weird it is there's just just look for the intricacies that that might not look like anything but are something so if, if a guy is standing in the slot and the puck comes to him and he shoots in the net simple play 
But watch, was that puck bouncing or sitting flat when it hit to him? Did he stop the puck? Was it one fluid motion? Those little intricacies like that are what make the amazing players separate from the good players. Rowan says, greetings, favorite nemesis, and the other one who likely isn't there. Seeing as it's hashtag draft season, let's play the hindsight game. In the last three years, which was the prospect the Wings could have drafted and didn't that frustrated you the most? Oh. For me, the for me, 2017 drove me nuts because I was and am a big Nikash fan. I think it's been exacerbated by the gift that was Zadina the following year, given how well they've played together in the past. I'll always unfairly compare Rasmussen to him, even though I obviously want Ras to be the better player of his career. And also, jersey time, best Red Wing, best jersey from an outdoor game not featuring the Red Wings. Uh, draft. Okay, draft. So I'm going to agree with you on Rasmussen. And... I really don't want to make the comparison this early, but I feel like this will be the Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc will be Rasmussen 2.0 because they have a lot of the same traits. Um, they're bigger, slower, but more control. Anyways, uh, for me, it was Rasmussen in the 2017 draft, but it wasn't Nichash for me. It was the defensemen who are available. Now, there was a hell of a run on forwards after Rasmussen, which at the time eased my mind. But man, if we had... Eric Brandstrom or Valamaki or Liljegren now. Oh, that I again, I'm with you. I objectively like Rasmussen. He's a good player. I'm not that this year put a lot of doubt in my mind, but I'm still not giving up on him because obviously it was his rookie seasons on a bad team. But oh, Eric Brandstrom would be so nice right about now. Um, I'm going to agree. I really wanted Liljegren or Brandstrom at that pick. And, and again, Really am not down on Rasmussen. I think he can still have, take a lot of steps, but I don't think... I just wish we had those guys on now, defense. The, the thing is, too, that uh, we're... I think we all objectively, like, the moment that pick went down, knew that was the wrong pick. Not that we thought... Again, not that we thought Rasmussen was a bad player. We just... We thought then and think now better players were available. Um, Favorite jersey from an outdoor game not featuring the Red Wings? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh... Was that the first time the Penguins' current iteration of jerseys got showcased? Was that an outdoor game? I don't believe so. They well, they it was a third before it was their mains. Well, it was it was their mains back in the nineties. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, I don't know if that would really count. Oh, Colorado's! I really loved Colorado's outdoor and third jerseys. Colorado's were good. I was not that they were a new thing. I really like when New Jersey went back to the red, white, and green. Yeah. I was a fan of that. There's been so many outdoor games. I'm legitimately struggling to think of every team that's played in one and what jerseys they were wearing. Uh, I'm going to interject. Second period, halfway through the game, two nothing Blue Jackets over the Lightning. Ah. <laughs> yeah. uh, Joseph, yes. Joseph Fournier says, "Hey, oh, I hope I squeeze this in with enough time to spare." <coughs> Thoughts about Zegers first Turcotte? I'd love to have another Larkin type player in Turcotte, but I love the idea of having a pure disher for our up and coming wingers like Zadina and Zegers fits that bill. What line was Turcotte playing on before he got injured? I temper my expectations of him if he was on the same line as Hughes. Zegers is the second uh, line center on the team between what looks like a rotating door of wingers, correct me if I'm wrong, and still has put up excellent numbers. So in some too early prospect rankings, what do you think? Uh, Zegers has actually played more with Hughes this year than Turcotte. Turcotte spent almost no time with Hughes. Uh, from the a lot from of time with Caulfield. From the games I've watched, I'm going to absolutely preface that by saying, um, so I can't say for sure that Turcotte's never played with Hughes, but I know Zegers played a good amount of time with Hughes. But you're right, did spend most of the season as a second line center. So here's where I'm at. Zegris is the right now. Zegris is the type of player. The Red Wings need more. They need that pure 
playmaker, which is why I can understand why Doc would be so appealing to them. But as of this moment, I just think objectively Turcotte is the better player, which is why I have him ahead of my rankings. And if I was Detroit and had both available, I would go for him. But like I said, he's he's more the Larkin type, the jack of all trades, whereas Zegris is that elite specialist. Um, <coughs> also just want to say that I called it here first. <coughs> Jesus, Brad. Excuse me. Tampa is running out of gas. They can still turn it around. I love the 2002 Wings versus Canucks, but it's looking bleak. NHL nightmare scenario, Blues and Jackets Cup final? No, man. I'd love That's that. Worse. Stay fresh, cheesebacks. Garrett TV says, "What uh, guys, what are your favorite and least favorite board games? Also, if you haven't played Ticket to Ride, I highly recommend it. I was just going to say Ticket to Ride. I love. Uh, I'm not a big board game guy, but um, F Monopoly all the way to the sun. Yeah, seriously. Monopoly just has too many iterations, and the real rules are not don't make for fun board games. So. No, it's a terrible board game. I don't know if I've ever f- truly finished a game of Monopoly. It's a simulation of how shitty life is, and why did I need that? I'm playing board games. At least let me have that. Uh, no, I love Ticket to Ride, and... Um, Shout out to Uno, you know? Really shout out to Uno. If you haven't played Settlers of Catan, get your life in order. I like Settlers. I, I do like Settlers a lot. Connect 4. No, oh, man. <laughs> Stan Olsen says, hey, guys, hope all is well. Haven't gotten to watch much of the NTDP this year, uh, but my goodness, Zegris lo- really looks like he could be uh, a Barzil. I'm much more excited to see who could potentially drop to us in the second round. I'm hoping Tobias Bjornfot or maybe a Caden Korzak. Uh, I know it sucks that we didn't win the lotto, but let's be real. We should really trust our scouting department to get us elite talent. If we end up with a Boldy or Swordstrom with our sixth overall pick, uh, I think it's because our guys know something that we and the rest of the NHL don't. Thanks for all the hard work, guys. Um, it's a great take. Our, our The drafting team has done really well. We have time for one question from Reddit because we have... Uh, it's... 32 minutes to Game of Thrones. We're, <laughs> we're running this tight. Coltron57 says, Power rank your top three ex-Red Wings in the playoffs that you'd like to see win a cup. Number one, Mrazek. Number two, Nyquist. Number three, I don't care. Uh, I'm going to go Nyquist, Jensen, Mrazek in that order. Oh, Nyquist. I'm going to go Mrazek, Nyquist, Jensen. You're right about Jensen. Yeah, didn't even think about that. Evan? But Phil Pilla. <laughs> uh, He's he got his cup. Who else? Who else? Who else? Nyquist. No. Mrazek. Who haven't we said? Yarncroc. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Does Yanmark Yanmark count too? Just to dig the knife a little deeper. Yeah, seriously. The very small knife. Um, And that's it. Sure. And with that, we're going to end this week's episode. Enjoy Game of Thrones, everyone. We are going to be back uh, on Thursday with special guest Allison Lucan from the Columbus Blue Jackets. That might be a very relevant episode at the time. Uh, We we would like to thank all of our name-level sponsors, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant, Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the playoffs. Enjoy Game of Thrones. We will see you in the middle of the week. Stay cheesy. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.